Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Fred and Lou Hartwig family, Peter and Barbara Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize, and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees. And by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome to Ruckus, our weekly food for thought fight over the news of the day and the trends of the times. I'm Mike Shannon. The Ruckus join me shortly. And our topics this week is Kansas unfriendly to taxpayers. Will Missouri voters be friendly to Governor Parson? And are Democrats still friends after Tuesday's debate? Plus, of course, roast and toast. But we start with our Newsmakers segment and welcome one of the six freshman members of the Kansas City, Missouri City Council. She's Raina Parks Shaw, who represents the 5th District on the southeast side of Kansas City. She brings to the council a background as a small business operator with experience in the health care field. We are happy to welcome Councilwoman Raina Parks Shaw to Ruckus. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you very much. Is this the first time you've been in elective office? Yes, it is. Well, you know, I've yeah. talked to a lot of people who have held elective office over the years, council members, mayors, state legislators, congressmen, and I've come to the conclusion it's not an easy job. Uh, why did you want to do it? You know, the, the biggest um, motivation for me was to really make a difference. Um, just ultimately wanting to see positive change here in Kansas City. And I felt like with my uh, well-rounded experience, I'd be able to do that. You've been on the council now for just a few weeks. Is it like you thought it was going to be? Honestly, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, but it's kind of like drinking water from a fire hose. Uh, <laughs> things move very quickly. Now, from your perspective, representing the 5th District, you were elected in district, not citywide, not at large. But from your perspective, what do you see as the most important issue now facing the council? Um, you know, um, obviously we have an issue with affordable housing. Um, the priorities that I hear from my constituents really deal with public safety. You know, and this uh, whole issue with violent crimes is, is top, I think, on everybody's list. Uh, as you know, you're going to have to select a new city manager sometime early next year. Mm -hmm. uh, Troy Schulte is retiring, I believe, in February. And by the way, have you heard that he may go to work for Jackson County government? Uh, you know, the rumor mill is, is running. Well, he, he confirmed it, that, that he is at least he, talking to people in Jackson County government. But anyway, yeah. for uh, a new city manager, do you have some thoughts? Do you think you should be looking outside the city or maybe inside the city manager's office now for some of the deputies and assistant mm -hmm. city managers? Uh, you know, I think we do have a lot of institutional knowledge there within the city. Um, but, you know, it's been a while since we have actually gone out to look for a city manager. I think we need to, to look at a national search and see, you know, what's out there to ensure that we have uh, the best experience there in, in our city. As you well know, voters are going to decide whether the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard should stay that name or be switched back to the name it had for decades, Paseo Boulevard. Uh, what's your preference? Mm -hmm. You know, my preference really is to let the voters decide. 
Um, one of the key important issues for me is to be a voice for all of the people, and I think our democracy is at its best when all vo voices can be heard. So I strongly support what the voters are going to decide. Do you have any sense of what voters are going to decide? No, I don't. I don't. It's going to be one or the other. We know that's that. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, right. Last week during the interview segment of Ruckus, I talked with Robbie Mackinnon of the ATA Area Transportation Authority, mm -hmm. and uh, he very much wants to eliminate bus fares, wants to make bus rides free. I know the mayor does as well. I think ultimately that has to be decided by the city council. Do you like the idea mm -hmm. of getting rid of bus fares? I do. Yes, I do. I, I think there are uh, multiple benefits to doing that. I would like to see us move forward with that as well. I, I know you spent time in health care as part of your preparation uh, to be on the council. Uh, what about this idea of decriminalizing marijuana possession in Kansas City? Do you like mm -hmm. that? I can tell you uh, there are many of the constituents that have contacted me that are in, in support of that. Um, obviously, being in health care, I actually work in hospice care, and I think, you know, there's definite, definitely a need from the medical aspect of that. Um, I think as we, as city council, look at doing that, we need to really make sure that we weigh all options from the legality issues there. Um, but I'm one who will be a voice for the people. And I can say, I think I've had more people push to legalize that. Um, so, you know, I think it's bigger than just here in Kansas City. It's something that we need to look at on a state level as well. Um, but, you know, it looks like Kansas City is going to try to be the leader in this. It's been going on for years, and it will continue it to go continue. on for years, I suspect. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. It's a pleasure to meet you. Appreciate you. you coming in. Thank you. That is Kansas City, Missouri, Councilmember Raina Parkshaw. Now let's meet the panel and start. Ah, ruckus! Dave Troppard is CEO of the Kansas Policy Institute. Gwen Grant is president and CEO of the Urban League in Kansas City. Jason Grill is founder of J. Grill Media, a public affairs, strategic communications, and media relations consulting firm. And Ron Freeman is a motivational speaker and writer. Thanks to all of you for coming in today. There was a time when we were told Kansas was a paradise for people looking for low tax rates. Now, apparently, that no longer is true. According to Kiplinger, a business news forecasting service, Kansas has become the 10th least friendly tax state in the country. One reason, a high sales tax rate of 8.67%. And if you believe people move to and from states with an eye toward tax relief, consider this. Another study, this one a couple of years ago, from United Van Lines, says Kansas is one of the five most popular states in the country to leave, move from, get out of. So what about these studies? Is there a connection? Should they cause the Democratic governor and the GOP-controlled legislature, not to mention the nearly three million residents, some real and genuine concern, Dave? Well, uh, Mike, if they care about job creation and economic growth, they better care an awful lot about this. Uh, this is not anything new. It's been going on for decades. Uh, but if you just look at the data, uh, compare the, the 10 worst states and the 10 best states from that study, and I think you have the data here to, to show uh, job growth uh, since 1998 has been more than double uh, in the 10 best states versus Kiplinger's 10 worst states. It was a uh, 39% increase from 1998 to 2017 versus 17%. 33% more GDP growth. 
the 10 states that are the 10 best states have gained population. They've gained 4.7 million. The, the 10 worst states have lost over 6 million residents. That's people voting with their feet, choosing to leave and go somewhere are, else. Are tax rates the most significant factor in those changes, do you think? Tax rates are, are one of the major factors, but taxes also have, because of the impact it has on economic growth, uh, a lot of, they might not say, I'm leaving for taxes, they're leaving for better job opportunities. And when you have a better economic uh, condition in, in states would have lower taxes, they might be moving for jobs, but taxes are a part of the reason those jobs are there and not here. When the people who ran LLCs, limited liability corporations, paid no income tax in Kansas, were people flocking to move to Kansas? Well, they weren't leaving. I think that's the bigger issue. I think when you look at the agriculture economy, you look at energy, and those things have taken big hits recently. And in my opinion, uh, this whole situation validates where Sam Brownback wanted to lead the state in terms of tax policy. Uh, and it, the consequences are there. It's pretty obvious. Uh, you tax people too much, they leave. Well, do I recall correctly all the criticism of Brownback and the state for having taxes that were too low just uh, yes, a couple of years ago? Exactly. I mean, are they dramatically higher now than they were a couple they, of years they, ago? They are, Mike. They are. Income uh, tax hike that uh, took place. Income tax, you know, the, the marginal rates might be a little bit lower than they were, but the overall tax burden is much higher because uh, they also increased the state sales tax. They've since taken away, Laura Kelly and others have taken away the ability to deduct uh, some of your property taxes and mortgage interests and so forth. Uh, so the, the net tax burden, this is according to legislative research, the net, net tax burden was higher even before this last income tax increase. Well, well I think you... Uh, Brownback wasn't working. I mean, it, it was killing the economy. The, no, the no, not at all. Not, not at all. That, was, that, was, you've been reading the star too much. Read all those other papers. No, if you look at the data, it wasn't doing it. The tax tax cuts really had a negative impact that forced the legislature to reverse them. That is No, that is what the talking point said. The reason they reversed it was they didn't have the courage to otherwise balance the budget. Well, it was not causing for, the Supreme Court's demand education. for education. I'm sorry. Well, I want to ask you. I, I think I've heard you complain before about Kansas taxing food. Yes. At the same yes. rate, it taxes tax, everything they else. They tax food at at um, eight point six seven percent at the standard rate. When most states just do not do that. Right. And I think that's in really, fact thirty two states don't 30, do that at 32 all. Thirty two states don't do it at all. Missouri does it at a rate of about one point two two five percent. So I mean, Kansas really needs to take a look at that. That's that's really. But but Missouri also has local local municipalities that bump that thing up, like Kansas City, Missouri, and other places. So sales tax in Kansas City at some places can be up to ten percent, I yeah. think, or maybe even higher. Oh yeah, sales tax in Johnson County is higher than New York City. When you go because eight point six seven is the statewide average, you get sales taxes over ten percent. In some parts of Johnson County, that's worse than New York City and a lot of other major cities. Jason, how is Missouri overall? It's called a mixed state. It's, in it's the kind city. of it's kind of both ways, like you said. I mean, the gas tax is the lowest I think in the country, which is why our I seventy corridor is so bad. Which in is fact, the effort to get the gas tax increased, uh, the people voted that down just a they year did. or so they ago. They did. We there was some, loop, there some we weird funding in that mechanism, too, but low gas tax, lower property tax in Kansas. 
I'll think a little higher income tax uh, for the top echelon. It's six percent, uh, but that like you might be going down. Uh, they have <laughs> mm-hmm. been efforts to move that down. So it's it's kind of mixed, like you said. Uh, but Missouri has more assets to showcase as far as with St. Louis and Kansas City for job creation and, and quality. Certainly, of life. a lot more people. Right, much Double higher population. Uh, just final question, Jason. From your experience, and you were in the legislature, do you think people move from one state to another principally because of the tax rate? Maybe retirees and, old, and older folks. On Why are you looking at me? People leave for, for opportunities, for job opportunities, for quality of life, for for many things. And I think that the older population maybe leaves for for the tax. But most purposes. people aren't leaving because of the tax rate. I don't think so. I think there's a combination of a lot of things. All right. It is still a year away, but it looks like Missouri may already have its two candidates for governor. Both already hold state offices. Nicole Galloway is the state auditor and a Democrat. She's in the Kansas City area from time to time, checking on the Clay County budget battle. Mike Parson is the governor, a Republican who did not run for the job. He was elected lieutenant governor in 2016 and assumed the top job when Eric Greitens resigned. In the race for campaign funds, Parson is getting some major help. He is benefiting from Uniting Missouri, a political action committee financed in part by Rex Singfield, a St. Louis billionaire who, along with Crosby Kemper III, founded the Show Me Institute. So, assuming it's Galloway and Parson in the race, what are some of the major issues they will be fighting about? Let's start with Jason. Well, you know, it's going to be interesting. I actually was in the legislature with Mike Parson. He is a uh, bipartisan guy, and he's actually, I think, done fairly well with a lot of his economic uh, work and, and actually coming to Kansas City. So he's obviously the front runner. You mentioned his financing, but Nicole Galloway is a hard worker. She's a hard fundraiser. I think she's going to come at it with a watchdog, kind of her auditor role. Uh, remember, she's also going to be able to keep her seat even if she loses or keep her role as auditor in this race. Uh, I'd, she, I'd have to she, give him the, he, the, the heads up, but I think, you know, the national politics, the presidential race, whoever the candidates are on the Democratic and Republican side will obviously determine a lot of the turnout. And in this kind of election, I think that's important. Uh, certainly, I was mentioning that uh, Parson has the ability to raise a lot of money, but Nicole Galloway is raising a lot of money, too, Gwen. Yeah, she's doing well. Uh, I mean, that's, she has a pack, and I think her pack has raised over half a million dollars, but mm-hmm. they're still, uh, you know, behind Parson. I think the, the challenge for Nicole is that Missouri is truly a crimson-red state now, and uh, you're right, the national uh, election is going to weigh heavy on that, but I think you know, in order for her to really... Strong, have uh, have a strong challenge for Parson. She's going to have to appeal to uh, the more moderate-centric Republicans. She's going to have to pull Republican uh, uh, votes in this election, and so it'll be interesting to see how that all how has how to she... appeal to people like Ron. <coughs> she's uh, yeah, she's got to appeal to the she's got to appeal to the pro the pro-choice well, Republicans, the pro-choice yeah. women. Yeah. She's got to appeal to the pro-choice women. Ron, this uh, seems to be a time when female candidates are emerging. A lot of emphasis placed on women running for public office. Is that going to be a major asset for Galloway in the Missouri governor's race? Well, I think it's her record. I think people are going to look beyond gender. I think that's really where we are. Uh, I don't think it's going to give her a plus, but I think her, her credibility is going to be in her performance in, in the past. But I do think when you're running against an incumbent, it's going to be a challenge because he's, 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 he's financially solid. 
Uh, the state's economy is doing well. Uh, the state overall, Missouri, the, the state of the Republic as well. Uh, and uh, so I think that we have to, she's going to have a challenge and it's going to be an uphill battle. She, she might get some swing votes too, for, or he might get some Democratic votes from moderates, I think, too, just because they like what he's done. But I think she's probably the best candidate the Democrats could put up this election. Dave, do you think Parsons' biggest advantage is the advantage of incumbency? You know, incumbency is, is, is a strong uh, advantage in, in any race. Uh, uh, not having any major scandals will probably help him, too. Uh, that's, uh, you know, they can uh, focus on the record and, and not on, on all the bad stuff that usually is a distraction. Gwen, typically uh, Democrats win big cities in Missouri, St. Louis and Kansas City, and Republicans fare better in the rural areas. Is there any way that you can see where Galloway might Get some support I, so, in rural, yeah, I think, uh, rural I think she, Missouri. If she reaches out in the rural areas uh, around the issue of Medicaid expansion, mm -hmm. I think she could pick up traction in those in those areas. And 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 she really needs to make a strong case about women's reproductive health, women's right to choose. Those that's how she'll she will maybe pull swing votes from Republicans, uh, you know, and 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 bring and bring out her base as well. Um, so I think that's the Jason Gwynn listed several possible campaign issues. What mm -hmm. other I mean, obviously, the, the, the national about. economy will have an effect. Uh, I don't know if that really have anything to do with it, but it will. Uh, she mentioned the abortion <clears throat> issue. That was probably the only really... Truly, uh, if you're a, uh, a moderate, the, ballot, the extreme, the extreme is going to be on the ballot. Uh, I don't know if it is or not. I need to check well, into that. But, but the, I know the Supreme, the, a, the Supreme a, Court. Yeah, and, the the deal is yeah. that Parsons signed that abortion bill, yeah. Yeah. and that caused people who had the been one that stops him abortions after six weeks because or because so. they felt that that was too far <clears throat> to the right. Right, uh, and that's kind of what she's, she rights. got into the right. she's got to she's got to push on that when she. You know, with her campaign. Yeah. I think the biggest issue is probably going to be the, the presidential race. I mean, depending on how that goes, I mean, the, the Trump effect is going to be real, and we'll see how that impacts. And who the Democratic works. candidate is. Right. Yes, that's yeah. Which, be which we will be talking about in just a moment. <laughs> there segue, was uh, <laughs> a good segue. Thank you, uh, Jason. That was good. There was yet another debate this week featuring the myriad of folks running for the Democratic presidential nomination. Heading into the CNN New York Times event, Joe Biden was still leading the national polls while Elizabeth Warren gained the top spot in some state polling. This was the first debate since Bernie Sanders suffered a heart attack and there was interest in how he would perform. There is a great deal to cover about that three-hour debate, but let's begin with this. What was your big takeaway from the Tuesday debate, Gwen? Well, clearly everyone uh, views Warren as the front runner, so she certainly had a target on her back, so she was under under full assault. I thought Klobuchar uh, showed up really well and lifted her profile significantly uh, after the debate. Biden uh, was somewhat out of the fray because he's kind of fallen back. I, I felt like he did, he performed fairly well. I know that some of the pundits kind of jumped on him about his, you know, his few little gaffes. His I think, incoherence. Ex exponentially. And, uh, but, uh, but I thought he, I thought he did well. And I thought it was a good night, even though Sanders, uh, you know, Sanders, um, uh, the focus was on him about his health, yeah. and he showed up well. Uh, and he, you know, he had displayed a sense of humor and uh, pulled some uh, some su major support support amongst the progressives. In fact, he is getting the support of Alexandria Ocasio yes, Cortez and the, Cortez and the, the squad. 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 Right. And <laughs> so he left. The, he left, the, even though you know he. You may say Warren held her on and still maybe won the night, but. Uh, certainly, Sanders. Do you Sanders think he's left. back in? 
do you think AOC's uh, support that might play a key role? Well, he's certainly not out. <laughs> he's, a so, sure. he's a socialist. He's and she likes that kind yeah. of politics. Uh, he's right. a progressive. Ron, what was your big takeaway? Your big headline from the debate? I know you love watching Democratic presidential debates. Uh, all three yeah, hours, right, Ron? Favorite. Oh, I was there. Good. Uh, no, there was. Uh, I think the, the to me the thing that really kind of and maybe this is a, a bad thing to say, but but the truth is you look at you got seventy eight year old, seventy six year old, seven year old, and you wonder about the energy. You wonder about the ability. You got a guy who just had a heart attack. You get a guy who just, I mean, see, memory seems to be a little bit fuzzy. I think that creates challenges. I think that's probably why Elizabeth Warren has pushed forward. Uh, I really think ahead of those two. But uh, uh, Buttgig, the guy from uh, Indiana, is probably the guy that I like, the, the energy he brought. And I think he sounded, he sounded like a sensible candidate that might have a chance to push forward in that race. Uh, uh, Buttigieg. Mayor Pete. Mayor Mayor Pete. Uh, it's not Buttigieg. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> That's his only issue Trump, he has right I now. I believe Trump is in his 70s. What, 70 what? Who? He's old. Trump he's old 73, old. I believe. Trump is old also. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 so he's making an age about, point, about you know, making yeah. a point about age. But Trump doesn't Trump seem to lose old. the energy. I mean, he fights on Twitter like nobody's business. Well, he's seen it. <laughs> I think Elizabeth <laughs> Warren is in the early 70s. She's 70. Yes, he's 70 years old. How much impact, Dave, does the impeachment process have on the selection of a candidate for the Democratic nomination? I don't know that it has a lot of impact. Most of them seem to come out in, in favor of it. Um, you know, they're, they're, with, with few exception, there really wasn't much difference uh, among those candidates. It was like a three-hour telethon for socialism. No, it was. I mean, <laughs> no, right. and, and it was it was free stuff for everybody. Very few people, even the ones who said they had a plan, didn't really have a plan for it. Because, uh, you know, as Margaret Thatcher famously said, the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's yeah. money. Uh, and, and you can't tax people enough. You could confiscate all the assets of the so-called wealthy, and you still couldn't pay for these plans. Nobody wants to put the truth on paper because the math doesn't work. Uh, he obviously hasn't been to Elizabeth Warren's website. It's no, all about his plans. Right. <laughs> I haven't either, but she had no plan to answer the question. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Plan. She had no plan to not answer yeah. the question. Uh, she didn't want to answer that question. Though. You would think, listening to Democrats, they are so happy that they're going to be running against Donald Trump that he will be so easy to obliterate in the race. Do they really believe that? I don't think so. I think I think if you had a bet on it right now, it's probably. 50 to 50, I mean, or 60 to 40. I mean, it's a close election. I mean, no matter how you slice it. So they might say that, but I know that they think yeah. it's going to be a tough race no matter what happens in this impeachment inquiry just because of the partisanship going on. I'm interested, Ron. <clears throat> Gwen said that she thought Joe Biden did pretty well. Did, do you think he did pretty well? I mean, I think he, I think he, he used Joe Biden. I, I do think that, again, the, the challenge for, I mean, it seemed to have some things that he couldn't quite remember or say the way he, he wanted to. I think that you have a reality of the issue with his son in the Ukraine is going to be a factor before this is all undone. And they kind of were, they were guarded. They're not going to come at him really publicly in that primary. But I think overall, he's, he's got issues. He's got baggage. Uh, and then again, you have uh, Elizabeth Warren, who seems to be rising. And uh, uh, some of us have moderated political debates, maybe all of us, I don't know. Can you think of a worse format than the one that CNN employed for that debate? I actually thought the moderators did a good job. Mike. Well, I didn't say they did a bad job, but they the whole concept of 12 people, yeah, some much. of them never, hardly ever got called upon. Yeah. The, the leaders <clears throat> and the polls got the majority of the questions. Mm -hmm. And the questions were oftentimes fairly soft, don't you think? As if the moderators... Well, I, I just don't know how, 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 how do you have 12 <laughs> candidates on a stage and make well, everyone happy? Why, why do it that way? 
Well, no? yeah, no, it it's was so early still. They have it, to do it that way. It, it is, and, and and yeah, the number of candidates uh, kind of drives that. But it's not a good forum. Uh, CNN, uh, they, they kind of wavered. They went back and forth between. Uh, pre- well, I, actually, the candidates did a better job of pressing. Will you answer the yeah, question? Yeah. Uh, you know, something as simple as, and I forget which candidate it was, claimed that Ohio had lost jobs under President Trump. That's a bald-faced lie. Ohio has gained 86,000 jobs since November of 2016, private sector jobs. That's not to say Trump did it, but something as simple as saying, well, you've lost jobs. I mean, you know something like that's going to come up. Be prepared for it. So you're calling for truth in politics? Kind of outrageous. <laughs> yeah, well, call I've for, been known to tilt the windmill. Truth. All right, now it is. It is time now for truth in the news. news. It is still time now for roast and toast, where the Ruckats have 30 seconds each to participate, <clears throat> evacuate, or extirpate. And let's start with Gwen. I'm toasting the life and legacy of Missouri State Senator Yvonne Wilson, who passed away Monday morning at the age of 90. Senator Wilson devoted most of her life to serving our community. She spent 35 years as an educator in the Kansas City School District prior to serving with with distinction in the Missouri Legislature as state representative for five years and as senator for six years. She was a fierce and formidable advocate for education, children, and equity. Her life and service will live will leave an indelible mark on our community. Jason, I'd like to toast the uh, moderates in the debate the other night: uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, uh, Amy Klobuchar, Senator Klobuchar, and Vice President Biden for pushing back uh, against uh, Elizabeth Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders. I think that's great. I, I thought Mayor Pete won the debate. Uh, he's rising in Iowa and New Hampshire. He's going to probably be in the top four. He's got a ton of money. Uh, but I really, I really appreciated that the, the people on the moderate wing of the Democratic Party, which are uh, actually calling out some of these policies and pushing back, I thought that was a lively debate. I think that's good for the party, and I'm excited, uh, as most people are in the moderate. Uh, Democrats or Republicans are in the middle, so that's an exciting thing for our country, and I uh, toast the moderates in that Democratic debate. Dave. A roast to the Johnson County School District suing vaping manufacturer Juul. I mean, sure, there's a, vaping is a problem and it's a distraction in schools, but so are cell phones. You know, are Apple and Samsung next on the lawsuit bandwagon? Look, expel the students who won't stop vaping and focus on educating the kids who want to learn. All right, Rod. So I'm going to roast the Chiefs' kingdom, Mike. We've got a bunch of people complaining because the Chiefs are, had a couple of weeks where they did not look so good, but they're still that same talented team. The NFL is full of players, great talent, and I believe our guys have what it takes to get it right, and we're going to move on and win this thing. All right, and finally, finally, let's move the teleprompter. Yeah, finally, I mentioned last week my birthday gift to a book titled The Official Dictionary of Sarcasm. So as I pledge not to quote from it every week, here is the official sarcastic definition of a politician. A person who inspires such inherent distrust that we feel perfectly comfortable letting him or her make a whole bunch of important decisions for us. And that is Ruckus for this week. We're back next Thursday at 7. Now for the Ruckets and the crew, Mike Shannon saying thanks very much for watching and good night.